We're turning God's Word this evening to Amos chapter 3. Of the minor prophets, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Amos 3, hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he have taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city? And the Lord hath not done it. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will not fear. The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy. Publish in the palaces at Ashdod and in the palaces in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria, and behold the great tumults in the midst thereof, and the oppressed in the midst thereof. For they know not to do right, saith the Lord, who store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, an adversary there shall be even round about the land, and he shall bring down thy strength from thee, and thy palaces shall be spoiled. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch." Hear ye, and testify in the house of Jacob, saith the Lord God, the God of hosts, that in the day that I shall visit the transgressions of Israel upon him, and will also visit the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. And I will smite the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish And the great houses shall have an end, saith the Lord. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy scriptures. The text that we consider this evening is the third verse of this chapter. Amos 3, verse 3. Can two walk together? except they be agreed. 
Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my intention to preach a few sermons about marriage. God willing, we will look at what is godly spouse, godly husband, a God-fearing wife. Look as well about the Word of God to those who are unmarried, to those who are still waiting for God to give them a spouse, or to those whom God has made it clear that it is not His will for them to marry. The sermon this evening is intended especially for those who are preparing for marriage. There is application for all of us, whether single or married, but the sermon tonight is directed especially to those who are either in a dating relationship or those who are seeking to be in a dating relationship. The Word of God to you this evening is, can two walk together except they be agreed. The context in which these words were spoken was this, beloved. God had called Amos, who was a farmer or a herdsman from the small town of Tekoa, to go and prophesy in the nation of Israel. Amos was called by God to be a prophet after there was the split in the covenant nation. There was that sinful rending apart division between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The first verse of the first chapter tells us who was king in these respective nations at that time. The words of Amos was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. The Jeroboam, who is mentioned here as king over Israel, the northern kingdom, is Jeroboam the second, not Jeroboam the first, who caused Israel to sin, but Jeroboam the second. The time in which Jeroboam the second was king over Israel and Uzzah or Uzziah was king of Judah was between 810 BC and 783 BC. The time that the Israelite would be taken into captivity was approximately 586 B.C. And so the time between 810 and 783 and 586 is approximately 200 years. And so this is a few centuries before the Israelites are going to be taken into captivity. But at this time, the Israelites have become very rich. It's, it's during a time of much 
prosperity. We read at the end of our chapter about summer houses and winter houses. Verse 15 of the third chapter, And I will smite the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish. This verse, along with other verses throughout the book of Amos, make clear to us that the Israelites, as well as the people of the nation of Judah, were enjoying a time of great financial prosperity and riches. But the spiritual riches was not met with a time of... The, the, the physical riches was not met with a time as well of spiritual riches. Spiritually, it was a time of poverty. And so it's in that context, the Israelites are rich but evil, that Amos then comes unto them and warns them of the coming punishment of God. Verse 2, You only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. And then, can two walk together except they be agreed? We consider this verse under the theme, walking together only in unity. We'll see first the truth that is set forth here by this farmer, prophet, Amos. Second, the reason for this truth. And then third, the blessing that is enjoyed. This text using figurative language asks a rhetorical question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And the picture here that Amos raises is that of a couple, at least two people, who are walking down the road together. And as you, a bystander, observe this couple, you're able to make several observations about them. You see, first of all, with regard to this couple, that they have unity of thought about what direction they want to go. It's not that the one is walking one direction and the other in a different direction, but There is oneness of thought that this is the direction that they want to go as they walk down the road. And then further, you can observe from this picture that Amos gives unto us that there is closeness, intimacy even, between these two that are walking down the road. It's not just that they happen to be going in the same direction down the road at that given moment in time, but the text says that they are together. They're close to each other, side by side, perhaps even hand by hand, as they go down this road together. Perhaps had it where you've been in large cities before, where there are people who are bustling down the sidewalk, 
parks and the, on the streets of these large cities. And it can happen at any moment, any given moment in time that there are countless number of people who are walking down the same, the same direction down the sidewalk. And yet, it does not hard to find that with regard to those people who are walking down the sidewalk, that they do not care about the person next to them as they walk down the sidewalk. The brim of their hat is pulled down low. They perhaps have their head in their phone in front of them. They have their eyes down on the road, avoiding eye contact with others as the strangers walk down the bustling city streets together. That is not the figure of this text. In this text, there is intimacy and closeness between these two who are walking down the road together. It's evident that they know each other and that they care one for another. Now Amos asks, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the question that Amos is asking here is the question of possibility. He says, can two walk down the road together in unity and in closeness except they be agreed? He is not asking here the question of may. May two walk down the road together except they be agreed. Nor is he asking the question Has it ever happened before that two have tried to walk down the road together apart from being in agreement? Of course, there are countless examples that can be raised of those who have attempted to walk down the road together apart from being in agreement. But that's not the question that Amos is asking here. He's asking Is it possible for two to walk together except they be in agreement? Now, even the children know the answer to this rhetorical question. The answer, of course, is no. No. Except there be agreement... There is no walking together. Agreement. Now what is agreement? And what does it mean to be in agreement one with another? Agreement here, as it's used by Amos under the inspiration of the Spirit in this text, means more than simply sharing an opinion with someone Else. That's oftentimes how the world and how we, we too speak of and use this word agreement. That I happen to be in an agreement, I happen to share the opinion of someone else on this particular matter. If there is discussion about some point, perhaps a political point, 
then we happen to be in agreement. That is, we share a perspective on this particular point. But that's not the full meaning here of this word, agreement. That, I, that aspect or that idea of agreement is a rather passive understanding of the term. That I happen to be in agreement with you on this matter. But the word that is used here by the prophet Amos in this text is not a passive word, but it is an active word. This word agreement calls to mind the idea of one who seeks out another individual, who then sets a time to meet with that other individual, who agrees upon the location of meeting with that individual, who then discusses with that individual what is the best way to proceed, and then after having met and discussed together, they come to unity of thought and purposefully and intentionally walk together in that direction that they have previously settled upon. Agreement. It's not passive. It's not, well, that's just how it happens to be. But it's a purposeful and an intentional meeting together and coming together in unity. It's used this way in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 2. Speaking here of Sanballat and Geshem, who were the enemies of God's people in Jerusalem. We read in Nehemiah 6, verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And so there Sanballat and Geshem reached out to Nehemiah and said, come, let's meet together in this location and let's discuss together. But all the while secretly, Sanballat and Geshem intended to do mischief unto Nehemiah and unto the people of God. And although that particular use in Nehemiah 6 verse 2 is... A negative example, it's an example of what we ought not to do, meeting with the enemies of the church. We use it because it helps illustrate here the activity that is used in coming to agreement. That Sanballat and Geshem went out of their way to try to arrange a meeting with Nehemiah. Can two walk together except there be intentional, purposeful, deliberate unity between them. Now the struggle here is in understanding what the application of this verse is to us. I selected this verse with a view toward preaching it, especially to those who are dating. It's abundantly clear 
from the context that Amos is not singling out those who are dating. And so one readily understands that the first application is not to those who are dating. But then, what is the application here? Who, who is the one who is the primary recipient of this word? Can two walk together except they be in agreement? And what came clear to me in studying this text is the primary application is to the prophet, to the minister. Can two walk together except they be in agreement? The two, the two parties who are to walk in agreement are on the one hand the Lord. And on the other hand, the prophet. And the prophet cannot walk down the road with the Lord except there be agreement with the will of God Himself. Why do we say this? That the primary application is to the prophet? It is because of the context, beloved, that that must be the primary application here. And in the context, Amos is asking a series of questions which are intended to illustrate unto the people of Israel the power and the efficacy of the Word of God through the prophet. That's what Amos is doing here. He's showing unto the Israelites as he ministers unto them that it's not his own Word that he is bringing unto them, but he is bringing God's Word unto them. And because he's bringing God's Word unto them, and because there is agreement between the prophet and the Lord, therefore there is power to this Word that goes beyond what Amos of himself would be able to have in that Word. And so Amos is speaking here about the preaching. Amos 3 verse 4, Will a lion roar in the forest when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he have taken nothing? Six. Verse six. Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? There's power in that Word of God. And as Amos brings these pronouncements of coming judgment upon the Israelites, there would be fear in the hearts of the people of God as they heard of what was coming to them. Verse 8, The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? And so the primary application then is in the New Testament church unto the minister. For there to be any power 
in the word that comes from the pulpit. For the, for the lion to roar, as it were, from the pulpit, it must be that there is agreement, harmony of will between the minister and the Lord. And the power of the preached word is only insofar as there is agreement between the will of the minister and the will of the Lord. Amos would go. He would go to Ashdod and Egypt, to Samaria and to Bethel. Not so much because Amos personally wanted to go to these places, but because it was God's will that Amos bring the Word of the Lord to those cities. Can two walk together? Can the prophet and the Lord walk together except there be agreement? But when the prophet did go forth in agreement with the Lord, doing the Lord's work, and bringing the Lord's Word, then the Word of the Lord would go forth with unstoppable power. Then the lion would roar, and the people would have fear in their hearts. But understanding that the primary application is to the minister. That does not mean that the application is limited to the under-shepherd. But the application does apply to each and every one of us. And tonight we see the application of this text, especially to those who are dating or to those who desire to be dating. And the Word of God to you is, can two walk together except they be agreed? When one seeks a mate, seeks a spouse, whom they will enter into that lifelong union of marriage with, it is absolutely necessary that one seeks and one finds a mate with whom they are in agreement. This is not an isolated passage of Scripture which alone teaches this, but the Word of God throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament makes clear that as one looks for a mate, they are to be selective. It starts already at the beginning in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Here God is giving creation ordinances which will abide for as long as the creation continues to have existence. And in Genesis 2 verse 24, we read, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one 
flesh. And now it's especially those final words that they shall be one flesh that we focus our attention upon. That they are that husband and wife are to be one flesh means not just that they are to come together in physical intimacy in marriage, but it means that from every perspective, husband and wife are to be one. That they are to have one faith. That they are to have one goal in their marriage. That they are to be unified in how they will raise up their children. That they are to be unified in how they will handle the finances, the money that God gives unto them. And so already in the beginning, when God told Adam and Eve that they too shall be one flesh, God was there establishing the abiding principle that husband and wife are to be one in the Lord. Can two walk together except they be agreed? But then it's not just an Old Testament truth. This isn't something that belonged merely to the Old Testament Israelites who were but spiritual children, immature yet in faith, and now one could argue that we're in the New Testament, and because we've reached a certain level of maturity, spiritual maturity, therefore we don't have to follow these Old Testament rules. No, This principle abides and continues into the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, for example, teaches us this truth. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And then the next verse, the 15th verse, shows the seriousness of this truth. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? That's why, young people, And young adults, it is impossible to walk down the road together except there be agreement because Christ has no concord with Belial. And then to go back a chapter, first, or rather a book, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, well known as one of the outstanding Bible passages which gives instruction to us about marriage. And we read toward the end of 1 Corinthians 7, in the 39th verse, this, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead... She is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. Notice the limitation here that God gives to the woman who seeks to marry. 
She has freedom. She has the freedom to marry. In this particular instance, Paul is speaking of a woman who has lost her husband through death. As long as her husband is alive, she's bound by the law to him. But if her husband dies, then she is free to marry. And not only is she free to marry, but she is free to marry whom she will. She may choose whom she wants to marry. God gives unto you as young people and young adults that freedom to choose. But, God places a limitation upon that freedom. It's not that you may then go and find whomever you want, whoever strikes your fancy, whoever is physically attractive, whoever has an outgoing and bubbly personality that you might be inclined unto. No, God gives a limitation here about whom you may marry only in the Lord. How necessary it is then that there be agreement between the young man and the young woman as they prepare to enter into that married state. Young people, you are to be selective in choosing a spouse. You are to be selective not because you by nature are any better than the people of the world. This is no excuse for arrogance, for turning your nose up, against those who are the people of the world. You have not made yourself to differ one bit. But why is it that you are to be selective as you look for a mate? It's because Christ is in you. And what concord does Christ have with Belial? Can two walk together except they be in agreement? And remember what we said about agreement. Agreement is not passive. Agreement does not mean that you just so happen to have similarities of thoughts and opinions about things. But agreement is an activity of the will. Activity or agreement involves discussing with the other person, appointing a meeting time, even as Sanballat and Geshem attempted to set a meeting time with Nehemiah so that they could come together and discuss. Except you do it not with devious or malicious intentions, but you set a meeting time with the one whom you are interested in, so that you can discuss important truths. You discuss not trivial matters, not just what your likes and what your dislikes are, but you discuss matters of everlasting and eternal significance. When you go on dates together, you discuss the matters that belong to the things of the kingdom of heaven. And you use these discussions so that you might come together to be in unity, to be in agreement in Jesus Christ. 
Only in the Lord, Paul insists in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39. And so if the discussions that you have with the significant other in your life make clear unto you that you are not coming together in the Lord, then the calling of the Word of God is end that relationship and end it now. Don't wait until you're married. How do you know if you're in agreement with someone or not? We mustn't here use cop-out of saying, well, this person belongs to the same church as me. This person goes to the same denomination of churches that I go to. This person was born and raised Protestant Reformed. And because this person was raised Protestant Reformed, therefore, I can just assume that there is agreement with this individual. It's not agreement in just your name, the name of the churches of which you are a part but it's agreement in the Lord. Talk with them. Ask questions. Ask pointed questions. What do you do on Sunday? What does Sabbath day observance mean to you? How do you spend your money? What is the most important use of your money? What is your devotional life like? Discuss the Word of God as the Word of God applies your life and walk together only in Why does Amos insist here, that it's possible only for two to walk down the road together if there is agreement. The reason for it is simply this, that this is how God has ordained covenant life to be. For two to walk together in agreement with the Lord. See, this text really is about the covenant, is it not? The very figure that the prophet Amos uses here calls attention to the covenant as you think of two people who are walking down the road together in unity of thought, in closeness and in intimacy, side by side, even holding hands. The very figure that Amos uses demands that we see the covenant here in this text. Can two dwell in covenant unity together except there be agreement? And so it's with a view toward the covenant as Israel was the covenant nation of God. 
that Amos then brought this word unto them. The covenant, or rather, the context as well speaks of and emphasizes the covenant. Amos 3, verse 1 Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. The repetition here of the word children and families summons to mind the truth of the covenant that God establishes with believers and with their seed. And so how then is covenant life to be enjoyed? The simple answer is in agreement with the Lord. To walk in agreement with the Lord is to walk in holiness before the Lord. We sang of this truth. In Psalter number one, that man is blessed who, fearing God from sin, restrains his feet. There is no lasting joy, there is no unity, and there is no peace in marriage apart from God and His holiness. The Israelites as a covenant nation had strayed from God and from the precepts, the covenant precepts that God had given unto them. And because they had deviated from that word of truth, even though they enjoyed material prosperity, yet spiritually they were in a dry and thirsty land. They suffered because they had not walked in the beauty of holiness. And just as it was true for the Old Testament Israelites, that there was no joy, no happiness in covenant life apart from holiness of God, so it is then for us in our marriages. There is no happiness to be enjoyed apart from both the husband and the wife walking in agreement in the Lord. It is not natural attraction that holds marriages together. It is not even the feeling, the emotion of love and closeness that is the glue that holds husband and wife together. If it were the case that marriages were established upon simply an attraction for someone else, simply because they were beautiful, then that marriage would be fickle and that marriage would be Conditional. Fickle because it is conditional. 
The condition being, I will only live with you and I will only dwell with you as long as you are attractive to me. But if you cease to be attractive to me, whether physically attractive to me, or whether your personality ceases to be attractive to me, then I will no longer seek to dwell with you. That's the condition that would otherwise be be put forth. The unity in marriages is God and His holiness. Holiness is what holds the church together. Holiness is what holds you together with the other members of this congregation. And holiness in God is what holds our marriages together. Consider how disruptive, how chaotic, and even how miserable home life would be if husband and wife are not walking together in agreement. The wife will have no respect for her husband, but she will look down upon him and she will loathe him because he is not walking in the Lord. And the husband will not want to dwell with his wife, but will find her company miserable because she nitpicks, critiques, and undermines every decision that He makes. There is no joy in the home when there is not agreement in the Lord. Single young persons, it is not too late for you. Once you get married, if you marry an unbeliever with whom you are unequally yoked, then the Word of God is remain in that marriage. That will be the burden that you will have to bear for the rest of your life in an unhappy marriage where you cannot discuss the truths of God's spiritual kingdom because you are not in agreement in the Lord. But before you marry, there is yet the opportunity for you to avoid that unpleasant and unhappy marriage. And God's Word to you is, be selective. Marry only in the Lord. And if you say, well, I'm strong enough that I can handle it. I have great enough faith. I'm strong enough in the Lord that the weakness of a spouse-to-be is not going to affect me. 
then I plead of you for the sake of your children to walk and to marry only in the Lord. There is no one who suffers so much in a miserable marriage where there is not agreement in the Lord as the children. The children are the ones who will hear mom and dad arguing with each other when there is not agreement in the Lord. The children are the ones who will have to wrestle whether or not mom and dad even love them. Because mom and dad spend so much time bickering and arguing with one another. It is the children who will bear the brunt of not marrying in the Lord. Can two walk together except they be agreed? What a wonderful blessing it is when there is agreement in a Christian marriage. The blessing is a joyful and a happy covenant home. Why do we marry? We do well to face that question. Why do I even seek a spouse? It certainly isn't a case that I seek a spouse only for the gratification of my desires. That's not why. But nor may it be the case that we seek a spouse so that we can make them happy. So we can make our husband or our wife happy. That's a noble desire, but that's not the deepest reason for why we marry. The purpose of marriage is to give glory unto God. It is so that we together as husband and wife might rejoice in the finished work of God which He has done for us in Jesus Christ. And the only way that it is possible for husband and wife together to give glory unto God is when they marry in the Lord. And so, young people, as you seek a mate, may you keep in mind the fact that you are God's child. Fearfully and wonderfully made, you are redeemed with the blood of God's own Son, Jesus Christ, and His Spirit dwells in you. You are the tabernacle of the living God. Seek the joy that comes from having true unity in marriage. Seek that joy that is possible only in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Can two walk together except they be agreed? The perfect standard of two walking together are the Father and the Son. Observe how the Father and Son meet together, 
how the Father and Son are in agreement that the Father's will is best. See then how the Son submitted His will unto the will of His Father. See how the will of the Father meant that the Son would walk down a difficult road. A road where the Son would be born of the seed of the woman. A road where the Son would suffer all His life long. Where the Son would be rejected. See how the will of the Father meant that the Son would take the road that led out of town, up a hill, to an accursed tree. And see how the Son submitted to the will of the Father as the Father poured out upon His Son the curse for our sins. But then observe, the Father did not leave His Son in the grave. But the will of the Father was that the Son would be glorified. First, He would suffer. Then, He would enter into the state of exaltation. Knowing, beloved, the finished work of Jesus Christ who walked in agreement with His Father in heaven. May God so work in you and in me that all the days of our lives we walk in agreement with the Lord. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee for Thy instruction which teaches us about how we are to choose a spouse, and about how we are to live then in the married state. Wilt Thou bless our young people and our young adults. Watch over them and give unto them a desire to find a God-fearing spouse. And wilt Thou bless our marriages as well we might be good examples to those that follow of what it means to walk together in unity. Pardon our sins. Keep us safe in the week ahead. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.